Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, a presentation of Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee, a servant of the Lord for over seven decades, culminated his ministry with a 21-year book-by-book exposition of the entire Bible, which he called Life Study. This Life Study is the basis for our program today and includes short portions of the spoken messages given by Witness Lee. Now, let's join today's program. We're pleased once again to have in the studio with us Ron Kangas to fellowship about today's program from Genesis. Ron, we saw in our last broadcast that Genesis is broken into three sections, and now we're just beginning to get into the third section, a very encouraging section that deals with God's calling. I wonder if you would give us a quick review of the two previous sections and then maybe say a little bit about uh, what we're going to see in this third section. Although Genesis is a rather lengthy book, it is divided into three main sections. The first concerns God's creation. The second deals with Satan's corruption and his leading man into a corrupted state. The third concerns God's coming in to save man through his calling and his all-sufficient grace. God's creation deals not only with the original creation, but as we have pointed out in several earlier messages, God's recreation and further creation climaxing in mankind created in God's image. The second section concerns Satan's activity mainly behind the scene to lead man further and further into the fall in at least four stages. Man fell in Genesis 3 away from God by disobeying him. Man fell again in Genesis 4 by turning away from God's ordained means of salvation. In Genesis 6, man fell into the flesh and became polluted. And then even after the flood and the institution of human government, man continued to fall And the whole human race rose up in defiant rebellion against God. At that point, God no longer dealt directly with humanity as a whole, but determined to work along another line by calling out a new people, a new race for himself. This he did when he called Abram, appearing to him as the God of glory. From that point on, the rest of the narrative in Genesis occupies the third section concerning God coming in to save, God manifesting himself as a triune God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Thank you, Ron. I'm looking forward to today's study. Let's join Witness Lee. In the last message, we have seen that the last section of this book of Genesis 39 and half chapters all together is the section on God's calling. It's a long book, but it has only three sections. God's creation, then the serpent corruption, and lastly, Jehovah's calling. Now, 
we have to see mainly two things. The origin of God's calling. And who started this calling? Who originated this calling? Not you, nor me. Not even Abraham. Abraham was the first father of this called race, but the calling was not initiated by him. I believe he was the same as we are. He even never dreamed of this. Joshua 24.2 tells us that while Abraham and his relatives were there worshiping other idols, God came to him. It was initiated by God. God came in. God chose Abraham and predestinated Abraham until one day while Abraham was worshiping the other gods without any consideration about being called. God just came in and God came in as the very God of glory. Amen. Oh, the God of glory. Amen. Not only came, but appeared to Abraham. Why God came and appeared to Abraham? Because Abraham was in a dark background. Do you think that time at Babel was a little better than here today? I don't believe. Well, do you think that today here it is a little better than what is there? It's exactly the same. This was why God came to Abraham in a strong way. Among us, if not all, at least a good number, God, a strong calling of God. I can never deny that one day while I was so ambitious as a young man, God came in. God came in in a strong way. I could never deny that was a visitation paid by God to me. And I do believe many of you had the same thing. Why? Because we were deeply fallen in the background. Just a light, loose preaching wouldn't work. Wouldn't work. Just a mere preaching wouldn't work. It needs God, the living God, even the God of glory, paid you a visit. Ron, let's interrupt here. I, I thought this was very interesting, that God not only called Abraham, but he appeared to him as well. Is it possible for us to have this experience today to have the God of glory appear to us? I would answer with a yes. Unfortunately, a number of seeking Christians today have been lured and enticed by those who promise them visible, spectacular, supernatural, tangible, sensational experiences of God. These, to say the least, are highly suspicious. Having said this, I'd like to point out that according to 2 Corinthians, 
The gospel we preach is the gospel of the glory of God. And in the proper preaching of the gospel, the Lord, in a spiritual sense, may appear as the shining of the light of life in our being. So in principle, we surely may have the same kind of experience that Abram had when the God of glory appeared to him. The glory of God is Christ, and Christ is embodied in the Word. When the Word is faithfully preached by someone in one spirit with the Lord, then in a spiritual yet very real way, he may appear to us, shine in us, make himself real to us, transfuse himself into us, so that we, like Abraham, may have faith born in us to then believe in Christ and be one with him. Thank you, Ron. Let's go back to Witness Lee. We come to a very, very crucial point that we all have to understand. Genesis gives us a record of Adam's biography. And it gives us a record of Abel's biography, a record of Enoch's biography, a record of Noah's biography. You can see all those records are concerning some persons individually. But when you come to the last section of this book that covers Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, plus Joseph, you can see these people are all related one to another. You cannot separate them. God called Abraham in a corporate way. Well, this is not a small thing to see. In the same way, don't think as a call when you are a complete individual. You are not. Neither are I. None among us is a complete individual unit. You need me, and I need you. Just like Abraham need Isaac, Jacob, and Isaac needed Abraham and Jacob. And Jacob needed Abraham plus Isaac and plus Joseph. What I mean is this. I just don't know. <laughs> I, I myself studied Genesis. I don't know how many times I even did the second or third study of this book with the congregation in the past 25 years. It's hard to tell this. Why? Why? Because all are one deal. Right. One deal. <laughs> one deal. <laughs> Just one deal. And this is the man. This is the man. A compliment. 
They all needed one with another to get the completion of God's calling. Someone would argue, well, don't you believe that Abraham was an individual person? I believe. Just I believe you are an individual person. But the Bible tells us that you are a member. You are a member. And the Bible tells me that I am a member. A member can never be a separate and complete individual unit. Right? When a member becomes individually complete, that means what? That means dead. That means dead. Let's fellowship for a moment about this point, if we could, Ron, the corporate aspect of Abraham's calling. As believers, we're called the children of Abraham. So is our calling similar to his in that we are not only called as individuals, but even more so to be members of Christ's body. We need to be reminded again and again that God's eternal purpose is to have a corporate expression of himself in Christ. God desires that Christ be born into a multitude of his chosen people, and that they, in oneness with Christ and with one another, become God's corporate expression. Of course, God calls us and relates to us on a personal, individual basis. Each one of us, as his children, is precious to him. But God's goal is something corporate, and God's dealings with us are with this corporate entity in view. So it's crucial that early on in our Christian life, we realize that although we have on the one hand a personal and in a sense individual relationship with the Lord, we need on the other hand to recognize that in the sight of God, we are part of his family and members of the body of Christ. If we realize that we are members of the body of Christ and children in the household of God, we will not expect to get everything directly from the Lord ourselves. We will realize that although day by day we should and we can experience the Lord ourselves, we still need the supply that comes through all the other members of the body of Christ. This principle is seen in the book of Genesis, where Abraham's experience is completed by that of Isaac and Jacob. Isaac's is completed by that of Abraham and Jacob, and Jacob's by that of Abraham and Isaac. This points to the fact that although we are called personally, We are called with a corporate goal. The more we realize this, the more normal we will be in our experience and growth in the divine life. Thank you, Ron. Let's go back and join Witness Lee for the conclusion of today's life study. The God who came to call this corporate person and who dealt with this corporate man 
wants the triune God. Right. Amen. He wants God the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. He was not only God. He was God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. He didn't tell Abraham, nor Isaac, nor Jacob. After years, years, one day, Moses saw something. And Moses was told by the angel of the Lord. And eventually that angel of the Lord was the Lord himself. And then this angel of the Lord, who was the Lord himself, told Moses that I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. It's quite interesting. To get into this. This is not some mere knowledge. We need to see this. God the Father was mainly the one who did the work on Abraham. You know, Abraham, his original name was Abraham, which means an exalted father. And this was sent to Abraham, which means father of a great multitude. Firstly, an exalted father, and eventually a father of a great multitude. Anyhow, both of his names with father indicated. And we know in the triune God, the first one is the father. Right? Right, right. So Abraham's experience just fits in the first one of the triune God. Abraham was the father, and the first one of the triune God was also the father. It's quite meaningful. Then the second one, Isaac, was the son. And it's so interesting to see that the second person of the triangle God is also a son. And a son is what? A son is one that comes out of the father. And also is one that inherits what the father is. And what the father has. And also accomplishes what the father wants. The son is of the Father, and the Son is inheriting what the Father is and has, and the Son is also accomplishing what the Father desires to accomplish. You look at Isaac's history. He was just like this. He was out of the Father, inheriting everything of the Father. <coughs> and he did something to accomplish his father's career. And this was Isaac. So Isaac's experience just fits in the second person of the triune God. It's quite meaningful. Then we come to the third person, the subtle one, Jacob. Surely the subtle one needs something more than the calling, more than the inheriting. Mostly the subtle one needed what? 
a dealing, a dealing to transform him from a man in the flesh to be a man in the spirit. You can see the third person of the Trion God is just a spirit. So the spirit came in to work on this supplanting one. To transform the supplanter into a prince of God. And here in this third one, you can see what? You can see the regeneration. You can see the transformation. And you can see the growth in life. And you can see the maturity out of the growth in life. Which you cannot see in Abraham, neither you can see this in Isaac. You add all the different aspects of all the experiences of the three persons, you could see this is a clear picture of a complete experience of the common. When I saw this, I got fully convinced that the Bible was written by God himself. (laughs) Who else can write such a wonderful book? (laughs) I tell you, these 39 half chapters are just one complete biography of a complete corporate person. In three or four members. Is this clear? Amen. In the church life, we are Abraham's, Isaac's, Jacob's, experiencing the riches of the triune God. Praise the Lord. This is the triune God with the culprit called one. Well, Ron, this is a wonderful insight. God calling himself the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, implying that he is the triune God to his corporate called ones. Can you explain in a little more detail why God needs to be triune to fully carry out this calling? God in himself, eternally and essentially, is triune. The title, The God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, points to an operational manifestation of God as triune. The God of Abraham is primarily the father. The God of Isaac is mainly the son. The God of Jacob, that devious, subtle one who needed much transformation, is the spirit. As the father God is the source, the one who chooses and plans. As the Son, God is the one appointed and anointed to be everything, to do everything, and to speak everything for God's economy. As the Spirit, God is the one who applies to us all that the Father has planned and the Son has accomplished. So what we have in the narrative concerning Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, is an experiential unfolding of the triune God in relation to his chosen people. As we study the experiences of these three patriarchs, 
we may know not only how to experience God, but may know the very God whom we may experience in His grace. To add a little P.S. to this, and I suppose it's a plug for a book, I have been greatly helped, enriched, and blessed by a masterful study of this written by Brother Watchman Nee, and it's entitled, The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I can testify that any earnest, serious seeker of Christ will be greatly blessed and benefited by this book. Why? Primarily because it was written by a man who had a deep, mature experience and enjoyment of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. May this eventually be said of us all to the glory of God. Thank you, Ron. You've been listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee. For 21 years, Witness Lee conducted a comprehensive life study, unveiling how the Bible presents Christ coming to be life to man. These audio programs are based on those messages, but to get the full riches of the life study, we hope you'll visit our website, lifestudy.com. From there, you can read over 1,800 life study messages in their entirety, or download more audio programs like this one all free of charge. Again, the website is lifestudy.com. Thanks for listening today.